guys will realize in this moment, some guys won't process this for 5, 10, 15 years, but what you guys did for the city of Cincinnati today, there's not words can describe that. Welcome in to the Who Day Den, a special episode, our 50th episode, but most importantly, we did it, guys. I don't know what else to say. In, in one sense, I have lots of things that I want to say and also lacking the words to really describe what just happened against the Raiders in the playoffs, but we did it. This team won a game at home that they were favorites in. It, it's it's likely that this win against the Raiders in the playoffs means much more to us as fans than the players on this team. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure the players are excited. But having the weight off of our shoulders as fans, the 30 plus years of failures, regular season failures, playoff failures, always coming up short. It's freeing to have that off of your shoulders and the Bengals are moving on to the next round of the playoffs. And man, it was a it was a roller coaster of emotions leading up to that game, even during the game. I'm still exhausted 24 hours later. Uh, I've got my voice back a little bit, but I'm physically exhausted from, I think, standing for hours on end. Didn't sit down in my seat once for the entire duration of the game. Um, then, you know, the the emotional drainage that takes place as well. But a roller coaster of em- emotions. And I, I was confident. I was confident last week when we drew the Raiders as our first round opponent. But then I talked to Marcus and looking at some of those matchups, knowing that that, that the, the Raiders on defense were going to try to limit big plays, which we know our offense relies on a lot. That's kind of our specialty with the previous failures in the back of my mind, as much as I wanted to just bury those and, and move forward and say, this is a different team. It's, this is completely different. They still lurk. They still lurk in the back of your mind. I started to feel a little uneasy as the week went on. I wouldn't say I wavered at all in my projection or or prediction, I guess, that the Bengals would win. I thought we would, but I felt a little less confident. And I I tried my best. I don't know if any of you can relate to, to this, but I tried my best all week not to think about how I would feel if we lost being at the stadium and in whatever fashion it would be, whether it's a a blowout loss or whether it's a gut wrenching walk off field goal type of loss. Like I tried not to think about how that would feel, what everyone would say about us. The we're the same old team, classic Cincinnati Bengals. I think as fans, many of us have waited all season for the other shoe to drop. I know I have, and I can't imagine that I am alone in that. Like you, you look back to last year and we draft Joe Burrow and then he gets injured. The second time in a decade and a half now that we have, we feel like we have a franchise quarterback and then suffers a really bad knee injury. And it's, it, it's perpetuates this, this feeling of we can't have anything nice in this city. And it's not just the Bengals. The Reds have had their struggles. But it, we, we look back on the way we started 5-2. and two. And way back in, what well, I guess that would have been October, where we're sitting at 5-2, and two, you're feeling pretty good. The, the national media is picking up on you as maybe contenders in the AFC. And then you drop two straight, very winnable games. And I'm going to say, if you didn't for one second think, here we go again. I think you're lying. 
some some are priding themselves some fans are priding themselves on never wavering never for once doubting this team but i think if you if you've rooted for this team long enough that thought had to cross your mind at some point then the Bengals end up fighting to a playoff spot and leading up to the game i was still nervous confident but nervous and i think when we were settling you know the lead up to the game the nerves are there but then during the game as we're settling for field goals in the red zone i'm still battling those familiar thoughts when the refs tried to to influence the game in their own special way. I battled those familiar thoughts. When the Raiders have the ball or driving down the field at the end of the game, I'm still battling those thoughts, thinking, are they going to go for two and go for the win? If they win the overtime toss, is our defense gassed? We never even get the ball to Joe Burrow for a chance to win it. It all felt like we better not get too excited because that other shoe's about to drop because it always does for Cincinnati. We're about to see why it's too good to be true. But my man Jermaine Pratt seals the win with the interception, and that stadium went bananas. You know, predictably so. Of course, it's going to go crazy. But it felt like maybe even the buildup to that as the game was getting a little bit tighter, a little bit closer as we wore on into the fourth quarter. It was just a it was a celebration, but it was also just a, an exhale and a relief just released from everybody in that stadium. I think personally being in attendance for that game is something I'll never forget being able to like seriously being able to influence that game with 60 plus thousand fans forcing the Raiders to burn timeouts committing pre-snap penalties because of the noise. It was a really special experience Uh, and, and you know being at the game I didn't log every play like I usually do. I like to log the plays I like to go back and and look at play-by-play, how many times were we under center and shotgun and things like that. I know there's, I think there's other sites that log that for you, but um, typically that's not updated immediately after the game. So I like to have my own notes, but I was way too invested into each and every play to, to make notes on my phone every 10 seconds. Also, my hands were freezing every time I had to take my gloves off to try to tweet or write down a note or something. So this isn't the usual full-blown game recap laden with stats and all that type of stuff. But I do still want to talk about some of the good and some of the bad. I want to look at it from the perspective of what are some things that we saw against the Raiders that we think potentially could keep this Bengals team from competing for an AFC title. We are now just one win away from competing for an AFC title in an AFC championship game. But some of the concerns we have are real concerns. The first thing is the red zone conversion into touchdowns, getting inside the opponent's 20 and being able to score touchdowns on those drives in the regular season. We were, I believe it was 19th. Um, I knew we were at 58% converting our reds and opportunities into touchdowns. The only playoff teams with the worst percentage were the Raiders and the Steelers. The Steelers are a team that everybody's like, ah, oh, I can't believe they made the playoffs. The Raiders were a, a last gasp effort to get into that seven seed. So to be only ahead of those two teams, most of the other playoff teams, I think seven playoff teams uh, are in the top 10 in that metric. We were down at 19. So we knew that this has been a struggle all season long. It didn't just creep up out of nowhere. But against the Raiders, that was really what kept that game close. There was potential for us to have run them out of town in the first half to really bury them in the second half. We take the 73 lead. We get the strip sack from Trey Hendrickson set up shop at the 15. It was actually a little bit reminiscent the start of the game in some ways to the way the the first matchup started off. However, in that game, it was Burrow that 
was strip sacked. And then the Raiders get the ball deep in our territory. Our defense stands and we only give up three points on that drive. This time we get the ball at the 15 with a seven to three lead. We can't get a first down. We commit a penalty. We end up kicking a field goal. It's 10 to three. The next drive, we get first and goal at the six yard line. We commit an error in the form of a sack field goal again, 13 to three. Fast forward to the fourth quarter. We got a seven-point lead, first and 10 from the 19. We got a pass for six yards, setting you up for a nice, manageable second and four. We run it for three yards, nice, manageable third and one. Mixon, no gain on his third down run. We end up kicking the field goal to push it to 10, uh, a two-score game, which I think was the right call. Some in the stands around me, fans are emotional, I get it, but some of the stands, uh, the fans in the stands around me were not too happy that we didn't go for it there on fourth and inches. I think it was the right call. Granted, we won, so nobody's really arguing it, but to, to be able to push the lead to two possessions midway through the fourth, later in the fourth quarter, I think that's always the move there, especially when Burrow has struggled a little bit on the quarterback sneak it's not like he's tom brady even jimmy garoppolo if you watch the 49ers cowboys game i think the stat they they gave for him was he's 23 for 23 with the 49ers running uh quarterback sneaks and getting first downs burrow's not exactly there yet so it wasn't a gimme that if you go for it you you convert keep the drive going burn more clock touchdown seals the win you know all those things so it was a good call i thought to, to kick the field goal but again another missed opportunity to bury an inferior team early on. And instead we let them hang around. We let them hang around and it was almost too hard. Our demise late in the game. Can't imagine. I don't have any uh, Apple watch or any of those tracking devices that I wear. So I have no idea what my heart rate was, but I would imagine it was up there in the fourth quarter, the red zone conversion for our offense, being able to convert those opportunities into touchdowns, if we consistently settle for field goals, I think that could be an undoing for us as we f- push further into these playoffs. The second thing that might prevent this team from moving forward in the playoffs after this you know, weekend, I think it's rushing inefficiency. Joe Mixon, 17 carries for 48 yards, 2.8 a carry. He started nine carries for 30 yards. It wasn't great, you know, 3.3 average, but it really did feel like he was getting four yards, five yards, two yards, three yards, one yard. It was kind of mixed around. It wasn't one big run inflating that amount. The nine for 30 seemed like, yeah, he was getting about three yards a tote, which if you're giving him the ball on second and five and he's pushing it to third and two, that's manageable. You're okay with that. But then he had eight more carries the rest of the game for 18 yards. Our offensive line Really wasn't opening enough holes for Mixon. Again, I don't think he needs to be the type of running back that rushes for 100 yards for us to be successful. We don't rely on volume from him in the way like the Titans might with Derrick Henry, for example. We just need him to be able to avoid negative runs. We need to be able to avoid runs that go for no gain. Gain three plus yards on any given carry, whether it's first and 10 or second and four, that's the confidence we need to have in our running game. I mean, I think Probably Jackson Carmen's a better run blocker than Hakeem Adeneje, but Adeneje is kind of entrenched there at right guard. I I don't think a change is going to be like, I'm not proposing a trait, a, a change here at the right guard position. But as you look across that line, really no one has been excelling in run blocking this season. Even the grades, I found it a little odd, the PFF grades after that game, everybody was right there in the 60s or so. I think Quentin Spain was uh, significantly lower, but 
his his season grade has been like 60s and run blocking. So everyone was like pretty much right where I guess we would have expected them to be. But the line seemed like they played worse when it came to run blocking. Honestly, whoever protects protects Joe Burrow the best is the right dude to have in there. And I guess that's a Denizhi right now and in, in pass protection. But the offensive line's got to start getting a little bit more push up front. We don't need Joe Mixon to have 25 carries for 125 yards every single game, but we have to be able to 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 keep the defense honest with running the ball. We have to be able to have a little bit of balance for in times that you need to do that. If we have a seven to 10 point lead and you're trying to, to milk a little bit of clock, we have to feel confident that, hey, we can run the ball, still pick up first downs, still keep the clock moving. I'm not sure we felt that way against the Raiders that, hey, we've got a lead. Let's just run it because that would have been almost waving a, a white flag to, to punt it back to them. So that's an area the Bengals will need to improve upon. Thirdly, goes without saying, we got a pass rush issue. We knew that already. Thankfully, Trey Hendrickson masks a lot of that week in and week out. But man, his impact, I think, was truly felt against the Raiders because when he was in the game, he made plays, had the strip sack, of course. But also, uh, I saw a stat he had uh, that the Bengals as a team had a 43.5% pressure rate when Trey was in the game. When he left the game, was being evaluated for concussion. The pass rush was non-existent. 9.1% 9.1% was that so one out of every 11 dropbacks Derek Carr felt some form of pressure not even you know a sack just pressure move him off of his spot absolutely absurd the amount of time Derek Carr had really in the second half all the time in the world thankfully it didn't cost us like it could with a a better quarterback that would just pick you apart but ho- hopefully Trey returns we don't have to worry about this it's something we can address in the offseason help him out get someone else in there to help with uh, Hubbard and Hendrickson that can rush the passer. But we absolutely cannot afford to play defense without Trey Hendrickson. I, I think it goes without saying he's our most important defensive piece. So have to cross our fingers that he's back next week and doesn't miss any more time the rest of the playoffs if the Bengals defense wants to have a chance. Now, I think there are a lot of reasons, though, that Cincinnati can play in an AFC championship game in a couple of weeks. Some things were doing very, very well. One of them limiting turnovers. We won the turnover battle again, two to nothing against Las Vegas. Burrow doesn't have any picks in his last five games. We really had that, that special teams disaster against San Francisco a few weeks ago. Um, hurt us a little bit, obviously, but as far as offense goes, we're protecting the ball. Joe has really clamped down and I thought it was a little bit of a, a result maybe at least immediately after the bye. You think about the Raiders game. We didn't ask him to throw the ball a ton. It was a lot of mid-range stuff. I know some of that is that's what the defense is giving you, but it was a lot of safe stuff. I thought maybe that was going to be the game plan we roll with to try to protect the ball a little bit better than we did in the first half of the season. But now we've seen games like Kansas City, like Baltimore, where he is dealing. He's out there throwing the ball a lot and still not turning it over. That is huge to have an offense that you know isn't going to give the ball back think of how many times earlier in the season we were putting the defense in a terrible spot turning the ball over and and putting them in a short field where they have to hopefully hold the other team to a field goal we haven't really done that and honestly we haven't even had a lot of three and out situations that was another thing that earlier in the season you would you would say among other things with the play calling the issues were the any the the inefficiency of our offense 
consistently struggling to get first downs to maintain drives against the Raiders. You had a four and out in the second half with a 23 to 13 lead. The Raiders went on to score field goal on their next drive. And then we had another three and out with a seven point lead. However, that was like a little bit misleading. Maybe that was a drive where we got the ball with three and a half minutes left and uh, trying to run the clock down a little bit. Again, would be pretty nice to have an efficient running game where you're like, hey, we can run the ball and get a first down and milk this clock and, and ice it. Unfortunately, Mixon gets negative two yards on the first carry. Jamar Chase gets one yard on the next one. You're at third and 11, and that's going to be difficult. So, uh, yeah, that was that was an area, though, where I think we've improved on limiting the three and outs, limiting the turnovers, and keeping the offense on schedule. Another area is Zach Taylor. I think he's evolved this season, continues to evolve. I think this could be probably a combination between he and Brian Callahan, but because Zach Taylor takes so much heat, I think he deserves the most credit. If you watched that game and saw the way Jamar Chase was used, really as a running back, only saw three carries, but three carries for 23 yards for Jamar Chase, I think was rather unexpected. It was a wrinkle that we didn't think we were going to see. Now, the jet sweep action... Maybe not so much of a surprise. We actually saw that same type of play call against the Raiders in the first time around. Uh, I think Jamar and Tyler Boyd got one in that first matchup. So when they ran that, I wouldn't say that's like shocking, but having him motion into the backfield, handling a toss, doing it on fourth down when you need to convert, extend the drive, and that drive ends in a touchdown. That was that was chef's kiss. I- I'm. I'm refusing to make a kissing sound here into the microphone, but you get the idea to add that wrinkle. And Jamar said it in the postgame uh, presser. He was asked about it, that this, this is something that was added in season. Wasn't something they practiced in OTAs. Wasn't a way they were leveraging him in the preseason. This was installed during the season, during practices, during, uh, throughout the week. I think those in-season adjustments to get your best playmaker, the ball in space, you got to give Zach Taylor credit there. And it's kind of similar to the usage that the the Niners use Debo Samuel. We didn't get to see as much. I mean, Debo hurt us. He ran the ball for a touchdown against us, but he didn't have as many touches his first game back from injury. If you watch most Niners games, though, Debo Samuel is used a lot, kind of like a running back, a hybrid guy. I think Jamar Chase is a more talented wide receiver than Debo Samuel. But just imagine if the Bengals began using Jamar two to four times a game in the backfield, whether he's getting those tosses or not, even having him lining up in that area, faking a toss to him, whatever it may be, just adds a new wrinkle. In addition to the eight to 10 targets, he's going to get a game. It's another dimension to this offense that potentially could be unlocked. And we saw a little bit of it against the Raiders. And the other thing kind of goes along with that is I, as I watched the Raiders run the ball and run the ball rather efficiently for the majority of the game, Josh Jacobs had eight carries for 64 yards at the half. If you listen to the episode with Marcus, he really thought Josh Jacobs was going to be a key for the Raiders if they wanted to win the game. He'd been running the ball really well. Takes a lot of pressure off of Derek Carr. It's nice to have in a, in a cold weather game. Speaking of a cold weather game, if you listen to Marcus, he mentioned Deshaun Jackson in the Cleveland game, rubbing his hands, looks like he's shivering, and then comes in and drops a pass. And then he had just on Deshaun Jackson had another bad drop against the Bengals and uh, kudos Marcus for, for calling that one out. But Josh Jacobs running efficiently in the first half, 
And then the last 20, this was by my count, so I could be wrong. But if I'm off, I'm off by a play here or two. Not, not many. You'll get the point. 24 plays of the game, the last 24 plays that the Raiders ran were Derek Carr pass uh, dropbacks. As a fan, as I'm watching this game, I feel like we're dodging a bullet because I'm thinking if the Raiders committed to giving Josh Jacobs 25 carries and he's averaging over six yards a pop, that's trouble. That's trouble for a defense. And and I know we weren't getting pressure on cars, so they probably didn't feel like they needed to do that. But they weren't getting a ton of separation offensively either with their receivers. Outside of Darren Wall and Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones is is solid. He's formidable. But he's not a playmaker out there that you're really concerned about. So they don't have the weapons that we have uh, at the wide receiver position. I really thought Josh Jacobs would be one that if they committed to running the ball with him, we hadn't really shown that we were consistently able to stop him. And yet Vegas completely goes away from that. And as I thought about that, I'm like, in my opinion, some Zach, Zach Taylor haters may disagree, but in my opinion, I think Zach is pretty good about not stopping, stopping, doing, stopping, doing, not doing what works. If something's working, he doesn't stop doing it. Like, like the run game and the, what Vegas did. If something isn't working, he doesn't keep trying to make it work necessarily. I think we can all agree there are play calls, sometimes decisions that are frustrating. But rarely do I feel like the second half of the season here, have I been watching multiple drives in a row where the offense is choosing to play inefficiently? Maybe they're not always executing. But in some of these ways, they're, you would be choosing to operate inefficiently to say, you know what, we really want to get the ground game going. We're going to run it every first down with Mixon. If it's second and six, we're going to run it with Mixon every time and try to get three or four yards. And they're not playing that way. Zach Taylor isn't calling that type of game. I think earlier in the season, we had some concerns about the way the play calling was going. But I think Zach's done a nice job adapting this year. And his post-game comments he made uh, at the podium, in the locker room, it says a lot about I thought I thought he was a guy that probably had the most pressure on him on this team from the city and he he mentioned on most other teams he, he was thankful for mike brown and called him out a little bit or shouted him out didn't call him out in a bad way shouted out mike brown a little bit to say like you know on most teams he might not have gotten a third year after the way the first two years went but they believed in what zach taylor was doing and it's played out here in a, in a playoff berth but i i think zach taylor had to feel a little bit of that pressure in the third year knowing that hey i i've not won a lot of games in the first two years. We've now made it to this point, but this city yearns for a playoff win. If we don't win, this city is going to feel like this is the same old Bengals. They're going to feel like we're this. I'm no different than Marvin Lewis can get them there and can't get them over the hump type of thing. I think Zach felt that more than these 21 year olds, 23 year olds that are out there playing and, have no real, I'm sure they have a knowledge of the history of the Bengals, but they're, they didn't experience it. None of these, many of these guys did not grow up as diehard Bengals fans feeling the pain of those losses in the playoffs. So I think Zach felt that pressure and Zach, I think did a really nice job calling this game and has, has done a nice job this season changing his ways. Uh, So shout out Zach Taylor. Finally, Joe Burrow. Joey B. Joe. 
whatever you want to call him. The dude is ice cold. He's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He looked that way in warmups. He looked that way taking the field. He looked that way on every drive. He looked that way when pressure was flushing him out of the pocket and he's throwing a touchdown to Tyler Boyd. Never, ever did I feel like or have I felt like with Joe Burrow, man, I hope he doesn't touch the ball again. Like with like with other quarterbacks, there are quarterbacks in the league, perhaps quarterbacks of this team in past years that we've rooted for, that you're watching them really manage a game. You're thinking, hopefully this guy is not relied on to lead a huge drive. That is not at all. That is the, the opposite of how you feel about Joe Burrow. I feel like I probably drool over him every week on the pod here. And it seems like some of that is probably because it's new to us as Bengals fans, having a true franchise quarterback, having uh, an elite talent. This is a quarterback that having him there, we're never out of it. And during the bye week, I, I talked with Mike Pedragli, who used to cover the the Patriots. So he had some familiarity there with, with Tom Brady. And he mentioned some of the ways Joe Burrow is similar to Tom Brady. We now have, media analysts that I take some of what they say with a grain of salt because it's all about clicks and views and that type of stuff. But many of them comparing him now to the way Tom Brady operates and some of the best quarterbacks in the league. We're never going to be at a disadvantage at the most position, most important position in football with Joe Burrow at the helm. And I think that is a main difference too. That was some of what helped calm my nerves leading into that game is yes, I was nervous. And yes, there were times where I I had some doubts creeping in, but at the same time, it's like, we've got Joe Burrow. Like if we go to overtime and we'd get the ball, like we're going to win it. We have Joe Burrow. And that is one of the reasons I think this Bengals team could go further than many. I mean, we've already gone further than many expected us to myself included, but he's the type of quarterback that can lead a team, can carry a team through games that maybe they shouldn't win. Like you think about the Kansas City game, we probably shouldn't have won that game. But he had an otherworldly performance, he and Jamar Chase, and carried us to a win. And and he he didn't even do that against the Raiders necessarily. But imagine against whether we play the Titans or the Bills down the road or the Chiefs or whomever we may play the rest of the way. If he puts on one of those heroic performances, 350 yards, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, whatever it may be, we can beat anybody with Joe Burrow at the helm. I know right now, still TBD, who we're going to play. I think it's likely, at at least at the time of recording, that we'll be traveling to Tennessee to play the Titans. I'm not going to lie if that's the case. I like our chances. Not as confident, maybe, as when we played the Raiders at home, but I'm not scared of the Titans. I'll cover that a little bit more later this week. I'm going to try to get a guest in that covers Tennessee to join. Otherwise, it'll just be yours truly here returning later this week. But for now, we get to enjoy the fact that this team, the players on this team, the coaches on this team now have experienced a playoff game. They know now how to win a playoff game. It wasn't a pretty win necessarily. We won while struggling in the red zone. We won without our only consistent pass rusher for much of the second half during some of the most important drives, he wasn't out there. We won with we won without a consistent run game, as I mentioned. We won with T. Higgins seeing only four targets, having just one catch. We still won that game. Cold weather, 
uh, prime time atmosphere. We won in those elements. The Bengals have won a playoff game and we all get to enjoy it. I'm exhausted, but I'm going to continue to revel in this win for probably, you know, 24 more hours. I'd say late Monday, maybe early Tuesday. I'll really turn my attention to the Titans. Uh, But what a win it was. What a season it has been so far. And thankfully, it's not over yet. We've got at least one more game to play and perhaps more after that. Enjoy this win, fans. I think it goes without saying we deserve it. Until next time, everybody. Good day.